Then, from somewhere inside the palace, he heard a movement. His heart pounded against his ribcage, threatened to break through the bones and hang throbbing on his chest as proof of his mortality. He heard a sound like the clopping of monstrous hooves. Ahead of the noise, the measured steps that must be those of a man. His eyes were fixed on the great golden doors of the palace, half hidden in the shadows that the columns threw. The doors silently began to open. Then a high-shouldered figure, dwarfed by the size of the doors, stepped forth and stood there, regarding Elric with a horrible anger smouldering in his face. On his body, scarlet armour glowed, as if red-hot. On his left arm was a shield of the same stuff, and in his hand a steel sword. He had a narrow, aquiline head, with a closely trimmed black beard and moustache. On his elaborate helm, with the merman crest of Pantang. Jagreen Lurn said, in a voice that trembled with rage, So, Elric, you have kept a part of your word after all. Uh, How I wish I'd been able to kill you at Sequoia when I had the chance. Then I had a bargain with Dara Najan. Step forward, Theocrat, Elric said with sudden calm. I'll give you the chance again and meet you fairly in single combat. Jagreen Lurn sneered. Fairly, with that blade in your hands. Once I met it and did not perish, but now it burns with the souls of my best warrior priests. I know its power. I would not be so foolish as to stand against it. No. Let those you have challenged meet you. He stepped to one side. The doors gaped wider, and if Elric had expected to see giant figures emerge, he was disappointed. The dukes had assumed human proportions and the forms of men but there was a power about them that filled the air as they moved to stand, disdainful of Jagreen Lurn, upon the topmost step of the palace. Auric looked upon their beautiful smiling faces and shuddered again, for there was a kind of love on their faces, love mingled with pride and confidence so that for a moment he was filled with a wish to jump from his horse and fling himself at their feet to plead forgiveness for what he had become. All the longing and the loneliness within him seemed to well up, and he knew that these lovely beings would claim him, protect him, care for him. Well, Elric, said Ariok, the leader, softly, would you repent and return to us? The voice was silvery in its beauty, and Elric half made to dismount, but then he clapped his hands to his ears, the rune sword hanging by its wrist thong, and cried, No, I must do what I must. Your time, like mine, is over. I do not speak thus, Elric, Balan said persuasively. Our rule has hardly begun. Soon the earth and all its creatures will be part of the realm of chaos, and a wild and splendid era will begin. His words passed Elric's hands and whispered in his skull. Chaos has never been so powerful on earth, not even in earliest days. We shall make you great. We shall make you a lord of chaos equal to ourselves. We give you immortality, Elric. If you behave so foolishly, you will bring yourself only death, 
and none shall remember you. I know that. I would not wish to be remembered in a world ruled by law. Marlock laughed softly. <laughs> that will never come to pass. We block every move that law makes to try and bring help to Earth. And that is why you must be destroyed, Ulrich cried. We are immortal, we can never be slain, Ariok said, and there was a tinge of impatience in his voice. Then I shall send you back to chaos in such a way that you shall never have power on Earth again. Ulrich swung his rune blade in his hand and it trembled there, moaning quietly, as if unsure of itself, just as he was. See, Balin walked partway down the steps, even your trusted sword knows that we speak truth. You speak a sort of truth, Moonglum said in a quavering tone, astonished at his own bravery, but I remember something of a greater truth, a law that should bind both chaos and law, the law of the balance. That balance is held over the earth and it has been ordained that chaos and law must keep it straight. Sometimes the balance tips one way, sometimes another, and thus are the ages of the earth created. But an unequal balance of this magnitude is wrong. In your struggling, you of chaos may have forgotten this. We've forgotten it for good reason, mortal. The balance has tipped to such an extent in our favour that it is no longer adjustable. <laughs> we triumph. Alric used this pause to collect himself. Sensing his renewed strength, Stormbringer responded with a confident purr. The dukes also sensed it and glanced at one another. Ariok's beautiful face flared with anger, and his pseudo-body glided down the steps towards Alric, his fellow dukes following. Alric's steed backed away a few paces. A bolt of living fire appeared in Ariok's hand, and it shot towards the albino. He felt cold pain in his chest, and he staggered in the saddle. Your body is unimportant, Alric, but think of a similar blow to your soul. The facade of patience was dropping from Ariok. Ariok flung back his head and laughed. Ariok had betrayed himself. If he had remained calm, he would have had a greater advantage. But now he showed himself perturbed, whatever he had said to the contrary. Ariok, you aided me in the past, aided me to live. You will regret that. There's still time to undo my folly, upstart man. Another bolt came streaking towards him, but he passed Stormbringer before it, and in relief saw that it deflected the unholy weapon. But against such might they were certainly doomed, unless they could invoke some supernatural aid. But Ulrich dared not risk summoning his runesword's brothers. Not yet. He must think of some other means. As he retreated before the searing bolts, Moonglum behind him, whispered almost impotent charms. He thought of the vulture lions he had sent back to chaos. Perhaps he could recall them for a different purpose. The spell was fresh in his mind, requiring a slightly changed mental state and scarcely changed wording. Calmly, mechanically deflecting the bolts of the dukes, whose features had changed hideously to retain their previous beauty but take on an increasingly malevolent look, he uttered the spell... Creatures, Matic of Malnibane made thee from stuff of unformed madness. If thou wouldst live, then aid me now, come hither, or Matic's brew again shall be. 
From out of the rolling darks of the plaza, the beaked beasts prowled. Ulrich yelled at the dukes. Mortal weapons cannot harm you, but these are beasts of your own plane. Sample their ferocity. In the bizarre tongue of Malnibane, he ordered the vulture lions upon the dukes. Apprehensively, Ariok and his fellows backed towards the steps again, calling their own commands to the giant animals. But the things advanced, gathering speed. Elric saw Ariok shout, rave, and then his body split asunder and rise in a new, less recognisable shape as the beasts attacked. All was suddenly ragged colour, shrill sound and disordered matter. Behind the embattled demons, Elric saw Jagreen Loon running back into his palace. Hoping that the creatures he had summoned would hold the dukes, Elric rode his horse around the boiling mass and galloped up the steps. Through the doors, the two men rode, catching a glimpse of the terrified Theocrat running before them. Your allies are not so strong as you believe, Jagreen Loon, Elric yelled as he bore down upon his enemy. Why, you foolish latecomer! Did you think your knowledge matched that of a Malnabonean? Jagreen Loon began to climb a winding staircase, labouring up the steps, too afraid to look back. Elric laughed again and pulled his horse to a stop, watching the running man. Dukes! Dukes! sobbed Jagreen Loon as he climbed. Do not desert me now! Moonglum whispered. Surely those creatures will not defeat the aristocracy of hell. Elric shook his head. I do not expect them to. But if I finish Jagreen Learn, at least I could put an end to his conquests and demon summoning. He spurred the Nereian steed up the steps after the Theocrat, who heard him coming and flung himself into a room. Elric heard a bar fall and bolt squeal. When he reached the door, it fell in at a blow of his sword, and he was in a small chamber. Jagreen Learn had disappeared. Dismounting, Elric went to a small door at the furthest corner of the room and again demolished it. A narrow stair led upwards, obviously into a tower. Now he could take his vengeance, he thought, as he reached yet another door at the top of the stair and drew back his sword to smite it. The blow fell, but the door held. Curse the thing, it's protected by charms. He was about to aim another blow when he heard Moonglum's urgent calling from below. Elric, they've defeated the creatures, they're returning to the palace. He would have to leave Jagreen Loon for the meantime. He sprang down the steps into the chamber and out onto the stair. In the hall he saw the flowing shapes of the unholy trinity. Halfway up the stair, Moonglum was quaking. Stormbringer, said Elric, it is time to summon your brothers. The sword moved in his hand, as if in ascent. He began to chant the difficult rune that Separates had taught him. Stormbringer moaned a counterpoint to the dirge as the battle-worn dukes assumed different shapes and began to rise menacingly towards Elric. Then in the air all about him he saw shapes appear. Shadowy shapes, half on his own plane, half on the plane of chaos. He saw them stir and suddenly it seemed as if the air was filled with a million swords, each a twin to Stormbringer. Acting on instinct, Elric released his grip on his blade and flung it towards the rest. It hung in the air before them, and they seemed to acknowledge it. Lead them, Stormbringer. Lead them against the dukes, or your master perishes, and you'll not drink another human soul again. The sea of swords rustled, and a dreadful moaning emanated from them. 
The dukes flung themselves upwards against the albino, and he recoiled before the evil hatred that poured from their twisting shapes. Glancing down, he saw Moonglum slumped in his saddle, did not know if he had perished or fainted. Then the swords rushed upon the reaching dukes, and Elric's head swam with the sight of a million blades plunging into the stuff of their beings. The ululating noise of the battle filled his ears. The dreadful sight of the toiling conflict clouded his vision. Without Stormbringer's evil vitality, he felt weak and limp. He felt his knees shake and crumple. He could do nothing to aid the Black Sword's brothers as they clashed with the Dukes of Hell. He collapsed, aware that if he witnessed further horror, he would become totally insane. Thankfully, he felt his mind go blank, and then, at last, he was unconscious, unable to know which would win.